was Finish Line from Joel Hoekstra's 13 and their upcoming album, Running Games. Joel has played with Night Ranger, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and Cher, and is the current guitarist for both Whitesnake and Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And today, Joel is taking some time out of his busy schedule to join us on Radio Bypass. How are you, Joel? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. I uh, got to hear two tracks so far that you've released from your new upcoming record, Running Games, and I loved it. And then that made me go back and listen to the Dying to Live album again, which I hadn't pulled out for a while. And um, I fell in love with it again, uh, that record. So I'm pretty excited about your, your new record. But since these Joel Hoekstra 13s have come into my life, I got a question to start this with that I've wondered. Why is it Joel Hoekstra's 13 and not just Joel Hoekstra? Uh, I felt like Joel Hoekstra would indicate an instrumental guitar album or an album where I'm singing. And basically, the the trick with this thing is I, it's just something when you put it on, it sounds like a band, right? But mm-hmm. I do all the writing. So I write the lyrics and the vocal melodies and everything because I just want it to be my baby but sound like a band, if that makes sense. So a project name seemed to make the most sense. So Joel Hoekstra's 13 was the, I guess, bridge between giving it just a band name of 13 and Joel Hoekstra would have been a solo album so it's not really a solo album but it's also not a band it's it lives somewhere in between got it got it and are the same players involved on this one as the previous yeah blessed to have the same lineup back man killer uh musicians russell allen singing uh vinnie apice on drums tony franklin on bass Derek sherinian on keys and uh, jeff scott soto on backing vocals so uh, killer lineup, great guys, great musicians. So um, stoked to have it and to have that consistency and continuity between Dying to Live and this one obviously is nice. So people can know what to expect, have a certain sound that they can rely upon when they're they're buying an album from the, this particular name. Right, right. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I wasn't positive if it was the exact same lineup. Now, this was this just recorded during all this COVID craziness we've been dealing with for a year now? Uh, some of it was done. I mean, it was all written pre-COVID, and then uh, I'd say the drums, bass, and some of the vocals were done. So really, we needed to get myself um, having the real guitars on there. I had what was called scratch guitars on there. Right. Uh, and then uh, Russell needed to finish his vocals and get Jeff Scott Soto and Derek Sherinian on there. So uh, it definitely helped put it on the fast track and, and get it done. Silver lining. yeah for sure for sure okay i wasn't sure if this was one where you guys had to all uh record through zoom or something so um with these crazy ways we have to do things and and how have you been doing during all this you've been staying covid free yeah i'm uh just you know busier than ever man it's just a totally different brand of being busy i've been uh teaching 30 students a week on skype and doing master classes for rock and roll fantasy camp and some other outlets as well uh doing cameos all those personalized greetings lots of those where people ask me to play so it's Mm -hmm. almost kind of like a gig in its own little way uh, when you get done doing it sessions for people doing lots of guest solos on people's stuff and writing with people i just turned in this uh the guitar riffs for a project i'm doing with michael sweet and nathan james that should be out later this year um and writing with my are probably your friend as well jim peterick a mm-hmm. little bit for an album he's uh producing right now so uh staying really busy in 
that department, the quarantine videos are always a thing. I've had several of those out this year that have done really well in terms of getting views. And uh, so, I mean, I, more than several. I've had, I've had a pretty long list of those that I've uh, gotten done in the last 12 months just to kind of keep myself out there and have some fun, uh, give something special to the fans while shows aren't happening. Right, right. Well, that's great that you've been able to maintain that level of busyness during all this. That's wonderful. And yeah, it certainly beats sitting around the whole time watching the clock tick, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I think the first couple months were like, okay, this is what it is. And then after it was like, oh no, this is going to carry on for a very long time. I need to just make sure I'm really busy and staying productive. Otherwise I'm just going to lose my marbles very quickly. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's been fine, man. I can't complain. You know, I mean, um, uh, <clears throat> obviously to, to be able to like, yeah, still uh, make a living doing it is, I mean, there's so many people like out of work right now and people that can't put food on the table. And so, um, for me, that's, it's a blessing to still have the opportunity to feel like, yeah, I'm doing it. You know, I mean, I do have a family and stuff and kids, so that's right. just important to me. And, uh, and obviously I still feel relevant as an artist, being able to play on all this stuff, put out an album of my own and, uh, do these quarantine videos. And I still feel like, you know, I, I like I'm an artist as well. I don't feel like I've uh, let that just completely go. So sure. Doing fine. That is fantastic. And speaking of you doing 8 million things, did I see, are you involved with this uh, shredding for hope? Yeah, that just came out uh, a couple days ago. So, um, yeah, my friend Kate Devin uh, has put together two of those now. And, uh, you know, it's just for me, that's a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, now there's some from my generation out there now, but it's a lot of these younger guys, you know, that are kind of up and coming with their own YouTube channels and they all just, you know, play guns blazing with their chops and everything. So I don't even necessarily consider myself a shredder, but I'm a guy who developed a lot of those chops coming up in the 80s when we all had to you know learn to get our technique together and all that stuff so sure it's uh it's it's fun for me to throw my hat into the ring on that and uh amongst all all these younger guns coming up and uh <laughs> so yeah it's good fun people can check it out on youtube uh yeah shredding for hope and uh kate Devin, uh, and this is the second one so i think uh, number two or part two or whatever it's called right right okay yeah i thought i saw your name pop up being uh, involved with that so that's cool. All right. So let's turn back to running games for a moment or two or three. Um, when What's the release date on this? February what? February 12th. February uh, through 12th. Front, Frontiers Music uh, SRL. So yeah, man. Finally, at long last, the album sees the light of day. So very excited about that. That's awesome. So you've released, um, the most recent one that you've released as a single is Finish Line. And um, you had an animated video as part of that, too. Who, who did that animation? Uh, artist named Wayne Joyner. Uh, he did a great job, man. I mean, that's really the, the label had um, a relationship already established with Wayne. And I, I had seen some of the animated videos coming out from Artists on Frontiers. And they brought up the idea of doing a, an animated video. And I was like, that'd be awesome. I've always wanted to do one. I mean, just from the time I started in this business. So I just thought that would be so cool. Uh, so yeah, I just gave Wayne a real rough idea what the storyline could be. And he basically just did it all. I mean, I, you know, did a great job. Yeah. It looked, it looked really cool. And I love the song. What was, um, what was going through your head when you wrote that song? Where'd you get, where'd those lyrics come from? Uh, just doing, you know, man, like, uh, it, for me, it's the, the, 
the video is a, a little different in that the song is just really about like uh, how I'm always frantically working and like, and there's kind of no end to it. <laughs> That's really the bottom line. And gotcha. so, you know, we all, we all set out on this path to, uh, to, uh, I guess, um, get somewhere with this stuff, right. To escape and, and to, uh, get away and build a life. And, and then you just kind of realize you're just always going to be scrambling with it. There's never a moment where you're like, I've done it. I'm, I'm there. You know, it's just always kind of feels like I'm, um, I'm, I'm always running, right. Running for the finish line that I can never find. Right. Those are the lyrics. So, right. Gotcha. Okay. So it's kind of autobiography, uh, autobiographical kind of. <laughs> Yeah, the stuff's always, my lyrics are always sort of ish and they're always loose enough that people can interpret their own meanings in this stuff, you know? It's not really much fun for people to fire up an album that's like, you know, just some guy going like, you know, I guess too detailed about his own experiences. It's like more interesting for people to read into songs and find their own meaning in it. Oh, totally agree. I mean, every song should speak to you however it speaks to you, but it, it, it... in spite of that, though, it's always still kind of interesting, at least to me anyway, to know what the person that wrote it was thinking, whether, you know, I, I, I like to infer my own meanings and takeaways from songs, but I also like to know what the inspiration was behind it for the person that wrote it. Yeah, no, like I, like I said, that's uh, that's about as accurate as I could be with it. Um yeah, it's that just that's the way my especially when I wrote the song. I mean, I think I wrote those lyrics when I was in Australia playing with Cher. And in that particular year, 2019, I was on the road 285 days out of the 365. So wow. when, you, when you want to talk about running for the finish line that you can never find, that was pretty much that year. I was like, man, you know, constantly scrambling and doing stuff and working. And um, so, yeah, there you go, man. 285 that is that's a heavy schedule my friend yeah yeah heavy duty year i mean i've I've had lots of the really heavy duty years in terms of number of shows but um that was the most intense in terms of jumping all over the globe and uh and juggling all live like um I guess acts not a Broadway show. Having that whole window of time of having Night Ranger, Rock of Ages, and Trans Siberian Orchestra was intense because both Rock of Ages and Trans Siberian Orchestra are eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but those eight shows a week for Rock of Ages for me were at home. And there's a big difference from uh, being on the road that entire time trying to keep all the acts happy and hoping your schedules line up and <laughs> sure <laughs> that stuff is, you know, that stuff's very stressful stuff, man. We were trying to keep everybody happy. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, rock of ages w- was easy in that regard. I could take off whenever I needed to, but those years were intense as well, man. I mean, I, I've really been on quite a run of kind of just insane amounts of, uh, playing really since I'd say, right about that time man 2010 things were just became uh well wait rock of ages started for me in 2008 as well i think so really let's let's say that you know mm-hmm. 2008 really on for the last 12 years has just been insane for me now this rock of ages that was also on broadway that came after the love janice that you were also part of did did yeah that, did that perf- did that because that that ended up staying there quite a while too didn't it love janice that was out here two years, and then I did it um, at some regional theaters, uh, like sitting down with it as well. The director had me uh, go on the road with it. 
so to speak. I mean, although the road wasn't like we weren't touring, you'd just go like, hey, we're going to do it at Arizona Theater Company. So you're going to be in Tucson for a month and then you're going to be in Phoenix for a month. And that was kind of the way it would roll. And then uh, so I ended up doing that in Tucson, Phoenix, Louisville, Cincinnati, Cleveland, San Francisco. So all those cities I would spend, you know, whatever, a couple months in doing it. So mm-hmm. it was, I mean, that, that was amazing. And then the, that director had another show called it ain't nothing but the blues. And I did that one in a bunch of cities as well. Um, oh, cool. I had to, had to think about that Kansas city and, uh, Arizona as well with that and Seattle. Uh, so all it, it's fun because a lot of the cities I go to when I tour now, I can actually be like, you know what? I was here for two months <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at right. one point. Right. So stuff like that, right? Where it's like, you know, it's, when you stay in a place that long, you feel more than you went there on tour. Oh, for sure. It's home for a bit. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But did the Love Janice, though, did that kind of lead to these other Broadway shows then? Because, you know... Uh, well, n- not really. I mean, I think Love Janice led to It Ain't Nothing But The Blues because it's the same director. But then uh, what happened with Rock of Ages was that was from doing pit stuff. Like I, I have a friend who lives nearby who uh, plays in the pit on like traditional Broadway shows. Right. So. Mm-hmm. He asked me if I'd ever want to sub for him, and I started to do it and learn learn the books of whatever show he was doing. So I did The Boy from Oz and then La Caja Fall. And um, this was just great for me to brush up on my music reading and even in some cases play different instruments like tenor banjo and cavaquino and all that stuff. And uh, so – uh, then he did a show called Tarzan and um, uh, Phil Collins wrote the music for that actually. And wow. then what, what happened is um, through subbing in there for him in the pit, the keyboard player from that show ended up getting the music supervisor gig for rock of ages. So when it came time for him to put together the band, he remembered me from being this kind of rocker, long hair guy down there. Uh, subbing on the show and and asked me if I'd be into doing it. So and that ended up becoming this crazy you know six plus year run. So I haven't really done theater since that closed, but I feel like I've just been really busy with the bands that I've been a part of anyway. Sure. Um, so uh, it, there hasn't been a lot of room for it. Wow, wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> that is very very interesting. And then I've read, um, I think on your website, you make mention of some other um, musical projects, something called VHF, I believe, or yeah, VHF. Um, Is that something that you're still doing? And and what is it if you are? So that was, uh, to date, it's basically just an EP that I put out with uh, my my friend Todd Vinciguerra and Tony Franklin on bass. And I guess you'd describe it as psychedelic instrumental rock. Um, it's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, man. It's like, uh, if, if Pink Floyd and, uh, mashed in with a guitar album or something, it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's psychedelic. Uh, it's not all just like, Hey, here's you know me playing a million miles an hour. It's just kind of like, you know, weird sounds and has a little bit of a vibe and, um, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. That's as best I can describe it, man. That's okay. The psychedelic part of that gives me a, gives me an idea right there. <laughs> so so that's that's something that's an ongoing thing, and it's something you've been you've done, but it's not not something that's yeah, keeping you busy there, there at might, the moment. You never know. There could be another album from it down the road. Uh, there was some talk about it. I think Todd started working on it. Todd is pretty much the guy that runs that. So. 
Um, but I think for the time being, it's on hold. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. Just, uh, man, just you got so many things going on. And I got to tell you, while I have you two turning to White Snake for just a moment, that uh, Flesh and Blood album was really good. And you co-wrote a lot of those songs, didn't you? Yeah, I think from the deluxe edition, um, I want to say it's uh, six, seven songs. And then there's another one that wasn't on the album that got released on the rock album as part of this uh, compilation trilogy that David's released over the last uh, 12 months. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, probably all in all, I've got about, I think, seven, eight co-writes with David um, out of the songs that uh, saw the light of day from those writing sessions. So that's that's cool. What a, What an honor for a guy like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just very, very happy with that record. I'm like, man, this sounds great. And I'm hoping we'll get another one like this. I hope you guys can pull off one more. Yeah, me too, obviously. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. All right, I just had to mention that while I had you, that that was a great record. <laughs> no, thank you, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Okay, so what is next for you? Obviously, um, this new record, when it comes out, on uh, February 12th, you won't instantly be able to play around this record, but uh, maybe things will open up a little bit this year, I hope, but I'm not overly hopeful. Um, so what's what's next for you? Um, I'm just going to stay busy, keep moving forward. Uh, just uh, I specifically have that project with Nathan James and Michael Sweet that uh, I turned in the guitarist for that we're going to have to actually properly record and uh <clears throat> see what becomes of that that's a very collaborative effort so it'll be interesting uh, mm-hmm. to see the uh the final result with that and then the rest is just more more or less what i'm doing i mean i'd love to keep teaching and doing the cameos and sessions and quarantine videos and everything i can to kind of find a balance in um keeping uh, I, I guess a way to make a living with my guitar and staying relevant as an artist, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think down the road, people can look forward to another Joel Hoekstra's 13 album as well. I, I think that I have another one in me um, uh, there as well. So that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And what about um, since we now, now I know the definition between Joel Hoekstra and Joel Hoekstra's 13. Um, I know you had some Joel Hoekstra only records too, like the moon is falling. Um, got more of that coming too not for the time being but down the road i could see doing some of that instrumental stuff again it doesn't make a lot of sense right now for me to um put one of those out there's i'm pretty much in this hard rock scene right now with mm-hmm. obviously being a part of white sync and trans Siberian orchestra so it makes the most sense for me to be doing these these records that's what you know the people that are interested in me want from me so i don't really want to be you know releasing a reggae album or something like that right now i mean it's so it's sort of the same comparison right if i'm I'm recording an instrumental fusion record that's not exactly what people want to hear from me so um i'm perfectly happy doing that too i mean i I love rock i mean that's why i started playing guitar so um i'm having a really good time making these man um but we'll see down the road you know there's no rules to any of this and that's what's great so i look forward to uh just doing whatever the heck i want down the road with all this and regarding the you know making music sure and and you mentioned on these um 13 records that you know you wrote the lyrics and and music and the whole shebang do you have like a big library of stuff you've written that you haven't maybe finished up and it's still 
things that you want to flesh out later? I got a lot of ideas on my, my phone. I, <laughs> when I run ac- come across something cool, I usually just grab my phone and hit uh, record on voice memo. And so a lot of it is me out for a walk and I'll have a melody or a chorus. And then uh, a lot of times I'll have uh, guitar riffs that I come across. And so there's lots of that, uh, different levels of development on all of them. But uh, typically these, those songs on these rock records come together pretty quickly. I'll write all the riffs in one shot and uh, usually have a chorus for it while I'm doing it as well. And then um, you know, piece together the lyrics for the rest of it after the fact, get uh, Vinny and Tony playing on there mm-hmm. with me. But usually I play the melody on a guitar to the rhythm so I have my rhythms and then a guitar playing what the singer will sing for them so they can get an idea <clears throat> and then uh write the lyrics to that and then you know I, I sing the whole thing for Russell as well I give him a guide vocal so he can listen back to that and just sing it a whole lot better <laughs> <laughs> gotcha and and speaking of guitars too I guess I should ask you because some of our audience may not know this who are some of your guitar influences Oh, man, it's a really long list. I mean, I'd say early on, my focus was more on talking about bands like, you know, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, Iron Maiden, Scorpions. That was pretty the list, uh, pretty much the list early on. And um, I'd say as I developed mellower bands, but more melodic, Boston, Journey, Foreigner, uh, prog bands like uh, Yes and Rush. Rush was a big influence on me. All the guitar stuff, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, Vi, Satriani, Ingve, all those guys had an influence on me. And um, I'd say from there, man, things really branched out. Just everything, people that I work with, people, what you know, things that I hear in passing. So um, definitely had a lot of influences and, and classic rock stuff. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I got to include like Pink Floyd and Zeppelin and Hendrix and all that stuff right. uh, had an influence on me as well. Interesting. Interesting. I heard no mention of my number one, Jeff Beck. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's amazing. I think, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love messing Holly. with you. I love how lyrical he is as a player, for sure. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just messing with you. Everybody you named is great, and there's and there's more, too, that are great. But, but as I said, a kid, anytime I talk to a guitar player, I have to bring up Jeff back because truly he is my favorite. So, <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, for me, it's a lot of the, this stuff comes down to, like, bands more than it does specific. Like, I could say... You know, Queensryche I was influenced by. Like, I, I loved listening to Queensryche, but I can't say I, I would specifically tell you who was playing what solo in that band, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Right? I was right. like, oh, that's Michael Wilton right there. I mean, I you know, no slight on them, but I'm just saying, like, for me, I, that's the way I always looked at things. So, um, you know, like when people ask, who are your influences? I, I like to say Black Sabbath more than I like to say Tony Iommi. That's mm-hmm. like. Black Sabbath. I listened to Black Sabbath. I didn't listen to Tony Iommi. I listened to Black Sabbath, right? Right. <laughs> when you're a kid, you. that's when, the way you looked at it, at least, right? So, and and really the same deal with Maiden there. It's not like uh, one of the guitar players was solo, and I said, now this solo is good, but the other guy, not so much. You right. Know? It's like, no, right. I liked all of it. It was Iron Maiden, man, you know? Yep, yep. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. I don't disagree one iota. It's funny. Okay. All right. Well, Joel, um, I know we're um, getting short on time here. Is there anything that our audience should know about Joel Hoekstra that maybe we don't know? 
No, I mean, you could just head over to my dot com if you want to um, just read up on my <laughs> on my history or whatever. David Coverdale calls it my Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> so you could just go to my name is difficult, so I'll spell it for everybody. Uh, J-O-E-L-H-O-E-K-S-T-R-A. So joelhoekstra.com. There you go. And I know on that website, um, I looked at it before, I think you had your, I don't know if it's up to date, but I think you had your discography listed there too, right? Yeah, I got a lot of stuff on there where it's, you know, you can really start to see how long I've been at this. <laughs> you look at it and go, man, there's a lot of strange albums on there. Okay. <laughs> uh, just over the years, I've had my webmaster just adding rather than taking stuff off. So it's pretty interesting. But that's kind of cool, though, I think. I think it's great to see the sure. progression of an artist. So leave it out there. Leave it out there. It's cool. Yeah, I am. I, I agree, man. It's all part of the story, man. For sure. All right. Well, we will look forward very much to February 12th. I can't wait to uh, hear more from the brand new Joel Hoekstra's 13 record. Very excited about about it. And um, and and and. and closing this when when we when we wrap this up i would like to go back though to um the previous joel hoekstra's 13 dying to live so i want to i want to end this with one song from that record tell me what's your favorite off dying to live if you can if you can i know sometimes people say oh they're all my favorite i can't pick one but if you can what should i what should i play at the end of this interview yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a favorite off of there. I would say uh, "Until I Left You" is the uh, catchy, popular, uh, melodic one, and I would say, um, you know, "To Scream" was did really well with the video. People can check that out on YouTube. "Say Goodbye to the Sun" is the really heavy one. Right. Uh, Anymore is the most straight up the gut kind of melodic hard rock. Uh, long for the days, uh, that might, you could go ahead and go with that. Long for the days might be my, uh, it's a mellower one though. It's not, uh, it's not one of the more aggressive, uh, hard rock ones. Sorry, so I'll give you an idea more of the, uh, I guess rainbow kind of vibe. All right. Then that's the one we'll play. Cause I think the very last time I played one of the tracks from that record on this, uh, show, it was dying to live was the last time I played a track. So Long for the days for sure hasn't been in in the mix for a while. So I think that's a great choice. Cool. Thanks, bro. All right. Thank you, Joel. So that's Joel Hoekstra, everybody. Check out joelhoekstra.com. Look for running games from Joel Hoekstra's 13 coming out February 12th. And uh, I would say and check Joel out live, but we don't know when that'll be. But whenever it can happen, check out Joel Hoekstra live, whether he's coming through town with his solo project here, 13, or if he's able to come through with Whitesnake, whatever it is, check out Joel Hoekstra. Great guitarist, great guy, and thank you for joining us, Joel. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time out. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, that's uh, Joel. And now, from Dying to Live, check this out if you haven't heard this song before, Long for the Days. Clouded eyes point to my feet 
Notice seem to increase the feel that 